Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the second installment of Long and Short. My name is Seamus Perry. I teach English literature at Oxford. And I'm talking today with Mark Ford, poet, critic and professor of English at University College London. Well, Mark, last time we met to have a conversation about long poems and short stories, we looked at Tennyson's poem Maud, 1855. And in this very same year, Whitman produces our topic today, which is long poem Song of Myself, which appears in his volume Leaves of Grass. Unlike Maud, though, this wasn't a very successful book. No, and it it is one of the extraordinary features of American poetry that the poet and the poem, which has become the most canonical in uh, the history of American culture, was published, (laughs) uh, self-published, and then distributed by a phrenological society. Whitman was a great, had a huge interest in phrenology. That's when people would read your head in relation to the bumps on it. And he went to Fowler and Hall, who were phrenologists, and he had his bumps read. What's astonishing is that it survives what they said about his head. And he doctored the scores. He bumped himself up a bit to give himself higher scores. So it was a self-published volume. He had it sort of set himself. He worked as a printer, so he knew about the printing trade. And it was distributed by these phrenologists. You would have thought this book would have sunk without trace. In in most cases, it would have sunk without trace. It, it um, But there were various aspects of it, of his, of his um, campaign to get it known, because Whitman thought of himself as the great American poet. Uh, his, his career is as unusual as that of any poet I can think of in the history of poetry in English, that up until his early 30s, there was absolutely no indication that Whitman would be anything but a hack journalist. Uh, he wrote a temperance novel, which, despite all his claims that his poetry would somehow conquer America and everyone would read Whitman and understand American poetry because of Whitman, in fact, his best-selling book was his temperance novel in his lifetime. And the 1855 Leaves of Grass was self-published, but he sent it to Ralph Waldo Emerson, who was the preeminent kind of literary figure in America. And that Emerson was astonished by it. And Emerson greeted Whitman as the poet that he'd been looking forward to, the great American poet. And uh, Whitman was so delighted with that, that that sort of launched Whitman's sense of his career. It didn't help with his book sales enormously, but the book kind of sold some copies. But that was the kind of framing of this particular work, which has become so canonical that every American growing up in high school will read it. And and all American poetry in different ways goes back to it, or a great deal of it goes back to Leaves of Grass and particularly Song of Myself. Yes, Emerson's letter is very noble, isn't it? It's a very, very gracious and and, uh, generous letter. I suppose partly recognising that Whitman has been influenced a lot by Emerson and by Emerson's thinking about what an American poet should be or how poetry should rise to the challenge and the occasion of the things that America represents, like democracy and egalitarianism and so on. Absolutely. In an essay of 1844, The Poet, he sets out what the American poet should be. And Whitman is on record in 1860 saying, I was simmering and simmering. Emerson brought me to the boil. 
And this letter that Emerson writes, I just quote a bit from it because it's it's so seminal in the un, our understanding of how Whitman became figured as the great American poet. I greet you at the beginning of a great career. And Whitman was so delighted with that phrase that for the 1856 edition, he has that embossed on the spine of the book, not just in the back in an appendix, actually on the spine of the book. Uh, I greet you at the beginning of a great career, which must have had a long foreground somewhere. For such a start, I rubbed my eyes a little to see if this sunbeam were no illusion. I love this image of Emerson just thinking, I cannot believe that this poet has written the great American poem without me knowing anything about it or figuring in any way on any map of American poetry. I mean, the most famous poet at the time was Longfellow, whose Hiawatha came out the same year and would sell 10,000 copies a month. And of course, one of the ways in which Whitman set about boosting the poem after it was published was by writing anonymous reviews of it himself, saying this is the greatest poem that America's yes, ever produced. Very positive reviews. It should Extremely be. positive reviews. And interestingly, contrasting himself with Tennyson, mm. uh, that he saw Tennyson as incarnating all that American poetry had to exclude from itself to become American. He talks about Tennyson's writing a poetry, which is that very genteel. It's written by a gentleman of the first degree, boating, fishing and shooting genteelly through nature, admiring the ladies, elaborate, half-choked deference. So the class system, which is one of the things that America and Whitman in particular want to obliterate, uh, or Leaves of Grass and Song of Myself in particular, so scornful of, those sorts of distinctions are embodied in Tennyson's poetry. And Tennyson's Maud is a kind of study of a morbid character who goes crazy Song of Myself is a celebration of someone whose health and whose primary organic responses to nature, to society, are utterly healthy in every way and are a template for how the American ideal democratic hero figure, but also heroine figure, there are women figures in it as well, should be in difference in a very different way to the European tradition. So, like many of the early canonical American texts, it's a declaration of independence, a way of separating American poetry from European traditions of poetry. Yes, and much later in his life, he writes a short essay, doesn't he, called A Note on Tennyson, I think it's called, where he's appreciative, he recognises Tennyson's genius, but at the same time sees Tennyson as being a writer who exercises what he calls finest verbalism, and this is clearly, in some ways, a kind of praise, but also a sort of mark of suspicion that there's something which is, you know, perhaps purely verbal about some of Tennyson's works, which he doesn't want to emulate that. He, and he describes himself rather tellingly in that little essay as non-literary and non-decorous. So it's that sort of slightly kind of rough-edged kind of lyricism that he's interested in. Yes, Tennyson also he saw as belonging to the past and he belongs to the future, that English poetry belongs to the past. And if you think of, you know, Tennyson's numerous poems about people like Mariana, literary figures from the past, uh, in comparison with Whitman's aggressive figuration of himself and America as the future. I love the line when he says, I am today jetting the stuff of far more arrogant republics. This notion of Whitman's own 
seminal spurt, to use another of his um, <laughs> masturbatory phrases, is somehow begetting a democracy which will end up conquering the world. So there's a, a sort of twinning between the American selfhood, which is being celebrated in Song of Myself, and the concept of American democracy as exporting itself around the globe. And um, you must say Whitman's prophecy has to an extent come true. Come true. Or, uh, Tennyson and Whitman do have a correspondence, don't they? It was quite a friendly correspondence. I don't think it's a terribly profound or deep one. But Whitman seems to have sent Tennyson that little essay that I, I mentioned a moment ago. And Whitman was pleased to report back that Tennyson's response had been friendly. He then goes on to say rather brilliantly, I don't think he ever quite makes me out. It's like they are, you know, they are two poets separated by common language, aren't they, in the, to use the old cliché? That's true. I mean, Whitman wanted that no one would ever make him out, that part of his persona was elusiveness, that even with his close disciple friends in the last years of his life, as is sort of demonstrated in the articles by Richard Poirier, who talks about Horace Traubel, one of his disciples who recorded two and a half million words of, phenomenal. Yes. of Whitman's conversation. All the time Whitman is dodging and deflecting and saying, you can't make me out. So part of the persona which is projected in Song of Myself is of someone who will elude all definitions. I contain multitudes is the most obvious example of his uh, attempt to present himself as outflanking any attempts to define or contain him. But Tennyson rather did like Whitman's poetry, and the English play a fascinating role in the development of Whitman's reputation, that it was um, William Michael Rossetti's 1868 edition that was utterly crucial to Whitman becoming well-known. So it's one of those odd cases... The same is true of Edgar Allan Poe. You had to have Baudelaire taking up Poe before the Americans thought he was any good. You had the pre-Raphaelites taking up Whitman before the Americans thought, well, maybe something is happening here. And he inspired an extremely, towards the end of his life, kind of messianic following among certain English socialists. I mean, Whitman wasn't a socialist, but socialists took up his poetry, which we should turn to in a minute so we can give a sort of flavour of what is so exhilarating about it. I mean, he says, I was simmering and simmering and Emerson brought me to the boil. I must confess, I was simmering and simmering and Whitman brought me to the boil. I found reading him when I came across him in my early 20s the most exhilarating experience, poetic experience of my life. And rereading it for this session today, I'm afraid I was in tears. You know, I, I just find Whitman's whole schutzpah, his exhilaration, his self promotion, his confidence, and the new language and idiom that he invents, one of the most exciting things that literature has to offer. And it can just make you feel so good about yourself, which Tennyson doesn't. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this extract from The Long and Short, a close reading series from the London Review of Books. To listen to the full episodes and all our other close reading series, sign up to our close reading subscription go to lrb.me forward slash close readings or click on the link in the description.